0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.
1: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's uh Called
3: my old man. Hey there, villa fans, this is the voice of your god Randy Lerner. 3-1 to the Bristol City Slickers. I'm proud to say I taught the Doctor
2: Tony everything he knows. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell.
4: Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast show. I'm David Michael, the editor of myormansed.com. So, it's time to start the season proper. Transfer windows closed, players are in place. Let's do this. Did you manage to get through the international break okay? It's uh, it's actually not been so bad in Birmingham because Steven Spielberg's been in town shooting on the main streets of Birmingham uh, his latest film Ready Player 1. I don't know if any of you have actually been down to check it out. I've been down a couple of times. It's, you know, it's been kind of quite interesting. A few car chases and that kind of stuff up uh, around the Jewellery Quarter. I'm a kind of a semi-retired film journalist. So I used to go on a lot of film sets and do interviews. Been on like Born Supremacy, Thor Oh... Twenty-eight weeks later, Hitchhikers go to the galaxy. The remake of uh, Clash of the Titans, Alexander, Tomb Raider Two, uh, and loads of films I can't even remember the names of. Uh, I think the last thing I went on with was, was uh, malfacent uh, the Angelina Jolly film. So I got to see her uh, suspended on a wire, wearing yellow contacts, horns, and dressed in a uh, skin-tight black PVC outfit. Uh, which, uh, yeah, you don't want to know about that. Uh, you to know about the villa, don't you? Anyway, uh, on this show, uh, we'll be catching up on uh, the latest movements at Villa Park Jack Grealish getting his new contract, Gordon Cowan's leaving the club, and uh, Steve Round coming in as technical director. So we'll be discussing the implications of that. Uh, we'll also have another look at the fan consultation group uh, that I was part of uh, that met uh, Dr. Tony, and there's a few things spinning out of that. And then we'll, of course, look at the double header at Villa Park against Forrest and Brent. If you want to support the show, go to myomansed.com and click on the patron and uh, check it out for how you can sign up and really be a uh, part of the inner circle. Anyway, enough with the formalities, let's get cracking. And joining me on the show, we're still uh, waiting for the glorious return of uh, Chad Wren. So in the meantime, you'll have to make do with me and Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground. Welcome, Dan. Hello there. So... Did you see it? Did you see it? The biggest news probably of the week, Tonf's goal for Bulgaria in injury time against Luxembourg. Did you see it?
3: I, I did. And um, sh- should I comment? I mean, there's surely some match-fixing investigation ongoing. I don't know what. Did you have money on was, it? it was, no, but it was a bloody
4: good goal, though. So uh Well, sooner or now? later, one of them was going to come off. Was I think it's, he's, he's on a drought of, I think it's three years, he hasn't scored a goal for any club. But when you see that goal, I mean, that was like, I think he he scores a goal every once every three years just for the YouTube uh, compilation for when he tries to join another club. Anyway, speaking of ex-players, funny enough, we were talking in the last uh, episode, the uh, summer transfer window special uh, about a club buying uh, another player to make an existing player happy. We, we were talking about uh, Adama and uh, a u but I noticed uh, that Jonathan Benteke has been signed by Palace, uh, basically to keep Christian Benteke sweet. And funny enough, I think I, my old man said, I wrote about this about two years ago, uh, that we should just buy him because he was uh, going cheap. He's not like the greatest centre forward in uh, in the world, but he he's scored a few uh, decent goals. Yeah, maybe that was a trick we missed out on in terms of uh, keeping Benteke would be to like chain up his brother Jonathan underneath the Holt End and so we could blackmail him to stay.
3: <laughs> I'd have been happy if we'd have signed a- anyone to keep Benteke really rather than giving in to Liverpool so they could break him and then sell him to Palace a year later. I'd have, I'd have took Trevor, Brian and Keith Benteke as, as long as we'd have kept
4: him. <laughs> I didn't know he had so many brothers. Yeah, yeah, uh, Speaking... <laughs> Speaking of uh, ex-players, just an update, quick update. Charles, lifestyle in Zogbia, still doesn't have a club. Well, at the time that we recorded this. For somebody who's staying with the club uh, a bit longer, Jack Grealish signed a new contract. Uh, What what do you think of that, Dan? Yeah, good.
3: good. Um, It's another one of those. Deserved, I suppose. I didn't realise the trigger was less performance, more to do with 20 games having been played. So that's a bit of an interesting one. The trigger was 20, 20 league starts.
4: All oh, right, right, um, for, for a, a new contract.
3: So, I mean, I do think he's been a lot better this season. Um, couldn't have been much worse than last, I guess.
4: Yeah, but I mean, it, I think it's uh, it's too early to make any uh, judgment Absolutely. on Grealish at the moment. But uh, I think so far this season he's moving in a direction. Once the whole team starts moving in the right direction, I think he will uh, flourish with them. I think he will. He sort of harks back to the weird,
3: weird contract arrangements of the old regime, though, rather than rewarding, you know, the incentivizing. sorry, him to... I don't know, so many assists or so many games. We, we reward on the basis of twenty league games, which is seems a strange figure, but
4: I mean, when you to think about it in the context of him being an academy player. I mean, I, I don't know how old. It wasn't that long ago since he signed the f- initial contract. No, it's only a two-year extension on top, so that must have been the that's the kicker, right? Isn't it
3: the uh, the twenty game.
4: Yeah, I suppose uh, not many academy players get uh, well, probably get past the twenty mark. Normally, at tops they'll do three or f- three or five before they're loaned out and then potentially moved on. So, I suppose it's mm. uh, it's just a, it's a kind of a light safety clause, isn't it, yeah, on the yeah. club's point of view? In other news, uh, a, a legend in my in well, in my lifetime especially, uh, Gordon Cowns has finally left the club. Has he been coaching for like eighteen years since uh, mm-hmm. since playing? I think it's a forty year association,
3: isn't it? That they're, they're, they're yes. saying playing, in, which is a lifetime, literally,
4: which is pretty incredible. During my time as a kid, circa the league champions, European, when he was, he was a teenager doing all this, uh, mm-hmm. winning all mm-hmm. his trophies, and he was ever present in the 81 team. And, you know, he's one of the reasons I really got into Villa watching him. It was kind of like poetry in motion. I mean, I remember there was Glenn Hoddle and uh, Gordon Cowan's. They offered a, like a complete different way of playing football, this kind of grace, almost like playing in slow motion and everything was measured and literally it's where pulling the strings that term comes from is uh, what Cowans could do. A lot of people wanted him to be Villa Manager. I think what they didn't realise is you have to have a personality for that and I think uh, Cowens was more of the, the kind of quiet kind of guy. Kind of goes to show, you know, where youth and the academy were his kind of forte and that's probably... Uh, Probably didn't want to get involved in a lot of the bullshit of the uh, senior game.
3: Probably not a bad thing because reputations can be easily tarnished, can't they, with the uh, management and, and the like, you know. Um, I mean, I know I know Little's back back in the fold now, but the player remembered f- for being great, you know, ultimately, yeah, led us led yeah. us to a league cup. But, you know, managers get sacked and I suppose Gordon Cairns will, will always be free of that. I mean, I only ever saw him in the, in the twilight of his career, but, you know, 500 appearances, English league championship european yeah. champion as champions of, of england speaks for itself really doesn't it
4: there's a few people calling out that there should be some kind of uh whether it's a testimonial or some kind of celebration i think he's definitely uh he kind of should celebrate the uh, 82 team in terms of their achievement as a team but if there was an individual just because of that length of service that you uh just mentioned that's that's something that should be considered by the uh the annals of power at Villa Park, because mm-hmm. there isn't enough celebrating the history and there should be more effort. For example, you go to the Emirates and there's statues of bloody everybody, Burkham. Remy Remigard. His, Remigard. <laughs> if you haven't seen the Remigard uh, statue outside the Emirates, that's because uh, it's just come up now for, uh, for the this year in the Premier League. So you're not going to see it this year unless we play them in the FA Cup. But hopefully next season, we'll we'll get to take photos and selfies in front of the Guard statue at the Emirates. Uh, so it looks like it's linked to Steve Round coming in as the the technical director. I mean, obviously, uh, this is completely speculation and we don't know the ins and outs of uh, what Steve Round is uh, actually putting into motion at the moment. But this is kind of pantomime where you think, oh, Garrett Gordon-Cowell he's a legend. Oh, he's, this is, he's left because of Steve Round, so Steve Round's a bad guy. I mean, obviously, uh, there's a lot of uh, modernisation going on at Villa Park now, so obviously it's linked, but... Uh, what can we say about it, really?
3: Um, just speculation, I think <laughs> there's there's two things. It's interesting how Pat Murphy from from the BBC and, and both the owner as well have come out quite quickly, almost in tandem, to say, "Oh, it's not connected to to Steve Steve Round coming into the club." I mean, Karen, I mean the fact is, Cairns leaves his post alongside two or three other key development people behind the scenes. Was that instigated by Round? I doubt it. Is has the change come about as a result of? Um, we've talked about broad organisational change that's been needed behind behind the scenes at Villa for a long time. That's probably what's going on. Seems to be f- from the sounds that are coming out of the club that Gordon wasn't particularly bothered in the sense that he's 58. And he's quite happy to sit and watch the club. You know, um, yeah. and I imagine that is the case. You know, he's got, he's had a great career. Sometimes it's time to move on. And, you know, no hard feelings really. I guess.
4: Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, we in a few seasons' time, when we're starting to think about uh, once we're back where we belong, and we're starting to think about doing more with the history, uh, we can do something with uh, Cowans in terms of mm. honouring his contribution to the club. Mm, uh, just funny. quickly on, on Steve Round, uh, I spoke to uh, Keith Wyner at the fan consultation group about uh, Steve Round, and he seemed, you know, very chuffed. Uh, about the appointment and also said he'd had a few calls from other clubs or people at other clubs saying that uh, he'd you know had done a good thing and you know almost like a telephone pat on the back saying uh, that he's a top man as in he's still young is he 45 so he's kind of he's well thought of within uh, within the football industry but uh, I mean we'll see what happens he's got a big undertaking he's as I said before a couple of podcasts ago, he's got to redefine what Aston Villa is and incorporate a style mm-hmm. and also a through line, a, a kind of ethos to be carried on, regardless of what the manager is.
3: I mean, I think that's the key thing, isn't it? That we haven't, we've lacked that continuity through the club, through the modern era, I guess. It's interesting because yeah. because will have worked with Round when he was at Everton, so indeed there, there, there is a relationship there. Round has been on, I think, a, a sort of an upward trage- trajectory. It's my interpretation anyway. he's been doing various background and coaching type roles, and he's sort of been graduating up the in a more technical. Roles within football clubs, you know, he did his, he, he's done the educational bit, if you like, the masters thing last year, and then that sets him up for sort of the first directorship type role of. I mean, it's a major role for us as a football club because he's, you know, he's got genuine behind the scenes control about instilling this way of playing and yeah, um, yeah. different ways of working and change. Because it was um,
4: interesting that he he's obviously pitched himself uh, and he had a plan of where he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And you know, he refused the assistant manager job to uh, Remy Guard.
3: I think that the, the, the huge positive, from my point of view, is that one of the obvious criticisms under under Lerner and Fox is that we, though we had figures in place, we still appear quite rudderless. You know, when a manager came in and there were issues repeatedly. You know, be it Lambert, be it Sherwood, be it Guard, we lack continuity between managers, and um, this can only an extra stabilising figure you know this guy's got something to prove as well it can only yeah. be a good thing
4: well fox's plan was you know it's essentially the same as the henrik almstead and uh, paddy riley was essentially facilitating the same role that was the infrastructure they were kind of going for as well to get this kind of through line so Villa weren't so uh, dependent on whatever the particular manager at the time, you know, had in store, or had in his, you know, had in his mind. So it's not just stop starting all the time every time a new manager comes along. But that obviously went tits up.
3: <laughs> Say the least. I mean, it, there's a bit of a correlation here, really. I think that, you know, Rian's been sat out in, uh, well, not sat out, he's been working out in Dubai doing the old motivational speaking. And that was where Almstadt met his fate, wasn't it? Where he was yeah. took a sneaky holiday and then when he got off the plane, he got, he got sacked, didn't he, in Birmingham, so... It's interesting, you know, when we you know, linking into the, the fan consultation minutes and, and what's been put out through the media, one of the key areas is of the technical director role is, is youth development. So um I think the distancing perhaps of Tony's comments and that of Pat Murphy maybe having having thought about it a bit more, maybe there is a little bit more to the Cowans thing that round perhaps does need that oversight and maybe a fresh pair of eyes across things. The other elephant in the room is we haven't produced a lot of quality from the Academy over the years.
4: Well, uh, well, saying that, we were European champions going back a, a few years, but that seems to have all dissipated. I mean, it's mm-hmm. no no guarantee uh, if you have a world-beating team. Uh, I mean, just look at the amount of youth players that uh, the likes of Chelsea and Manchester City are stockpiling. And uh, mm-hmm. those guys, their careers are potentially in limbo unless they get the right club where they're given a real crack and they really do impress to uh, actually uh, wave a flag to get noticed by their mother club. But... Mm. Uh, yeah, the the actual benefits haven't been that great, considering uh, how acclaimed the Villa Academy has been uh, going back a couple of years.
3: I think that's uh, that, that's the other point, isn't
4: it? I, there might be a broader
3: conversation there about the flawed academy system in in England. Really, you know, you have to look at the state of the depth in the national team to to see there's issues there. But closer to home, I mean, it never ceases to amaze me. It's it's a it's a question that's. You know, not not really be far away on my blog. I can't understand how we can't draw a, a circle around Villa Park of so many miles, and we can't find eleven great footballers or good footballers, you know, and develop them into you know the very least squad players. We we seem to get dribs and drabs, don't we? Where we get players who are promising, yeah. who we think, yeah, he might come, to, he might come to something, or he, he, you know, he might be the one, um, and, so, and so few of them come to anything of note. We, I think we spoke previously where there's a clutch of players in and around the championship. You know now. I think we've come across Hog recently with Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah, Whittingham yeah. for a number of years was was a was a good quality player for for Cardiff in the Championship consistently.
4: Yeah, yeah they, I mean the academy is churning out uh, a quarter of Championship level players for sure.
3: Yeah, um, but there's been so few who so few who even genuinely you could say yeah that they could go on to be top top Premier League footballers.
4: Well, you know, a few of them have made it. Cahill Davis. Davis, captain of his uh, international team, Cahill. Uh, European. Cahill was, you know, Cahill was plucked from, I think, Shefford
3: Wednesday, quite young. Yeah. And, and and I always think that a lot of people reference Barry, who was he was actually plucked from Brighton, Brighton but- at, at sixteen. So you know, I don't want to be disparaging of our academy system. I'm sure they, I'm sure they try very hard, but a, a rethink on reflection probably isn't a bad thing.
4: Yeah, you're you're right.
2: Welcome to Jedinax Jungle. You join me this week from the wilds of Aston. This is a barren, dark place. Even the local guides don't venture out after dark without a rifle. It's been a hard week. Losing to Bristol, what a bunch of drongos. But what have we here? A real treat for you guys this week. A tricky little critter. But don't be alarmed, it's no threat. It's a beautiful carless Hill. Oh, and look at this, an almost extinct ripper, a Paul Abbott. His moods are up and down like a bride's nighter. Struth, what a treat. It's a gozer. He's not sane. He's terrified of this net. Look at him scramble. Until next time, you villa bastards.
4: We mentioned the fans' consultation group. Uh, have you got any questions on them that uh, you know listeners also might have?
3: There was two or three things that, that jumped out at me. Especially around the makeup of the board was is ultimately panned out. You know, I think a lot of people who, who have any interest in, in how the club was purchased and how it was possibly financed and the figures who were involved in that will be familiar with Chris Samuelson, who, who also had some involvement at Reading previously.
4: Yeah, I mean, that was, that was the reason why this question was in there, essentially because of the, the Samuelson connection and where he was kind of mm-hmm. popping up everywhere. And the answer, maybe the question wasn't direct enough because the the initial answer didn't really reference him. It just said, this is the board now, you know, this is how it is. (laughs) Subsequently, while we were waiting for these minutes, Dr. Tony came out with a tweet essentially saying that Chris Samuelson... Has never had anything to do with Villa and hasn't been a director, which was obviously against uh, him appearing on the website as a director, mm-hmm. him appearing in company's house as a director with multiple entries, and also Recon Sports, mm. and also popping up in India as the head of global development for Recon Sports when uh, mm-hmm. they were meeting and greeting and setting up an academy. So you know, I contacted the club on behalf of the group and essentially said, "Look, can't have a question asked, and you you can't just." Not reference Chris Samuelson because this is, you know, it's essentially an elephant in the room. And if you want transparency, you know, it should be kind of cleared up. But, uh, I mean, they've just essentially said he was what we got back was what was actually, you know, added to the minutes is how you see it. But I think it's a deeper thing. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just big business in terms of buying something, moving money around, which obviously is Chris Samuelson's specialty, basically getting the best deal monetary wise in terms of tax and, uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll ultimately, we'll, we'll never know. I think the question
3: in my mind was, why Why did someone with such prominence, and he, and he was used prominently in, in the takeover and, and during that transaction, he was in some of the photos, he was, you know, his name's on the back of the shirts when they're in the dressing room. Yeah. He yeah. appears on Company's House. Yeah, we know from is coming on and off the books at Company's House that that can be procedural, but... Why does he suddenly completely disappear? And why does a man who, like you say, was head of Recon's sports development group in India yeah. six weeks ago suddenly have, because this is a stated thing as well, he's got no stated further involvement with Recon Group either. Yeah. So either I, we're missing something or that's a huge about turn. I, I don't think we'll hear anything either way. Ultimately, Tony uh, may take the view that Actually, it's none of our business and I suppose he's got a point, but it's intriguing yeah. how a figure who was so prominent in all of this, you know, I, I, I wonder whether, I, I think the financing element was part of it and that was the bit that really, I guess, is behind the
4: scenes. But actually, he was quite a visible figure as well. But I don't understand why he's put forward as a figurehead. That's mm-hmm. just odd. It's, as you said, it's something that probably won't be answered, but whether it's procedural or there was a falling out, but I think he, I could never see him in it for the long haul, I don't think. I think it's something that taught them he taught them the ropes and certain aspects. And that's you know, that's one thing, the whole idea of building a, a kind of an international setup in the way that for example Manchester City have and where they have uh, stakes in various clubs around the world and you know actually a big big stake in, for example, New York City mm-hmm. is you can let's say get around and use it as leverage in terms of uh, the fin- financial fair play system where you can kind of loan players between teams and you know there's, there's i mean we won't go into detail here but it's it adds a bit more flexibility to work the financial fair play uh rules so i'm sure samuelson kind of helped them set up that infrastructure there as well anyway any, anything else the
3: mention of um dr tony's Aspiration to make Villa Park up to 80,000 seats
4: was quite interesting, I thought. (laughs) It's it's an example of his undoubted optimism and some of the, the big positive statements that he's made already, like top three in the world, Champions League... Hugely ambitious, uh, hugely positive.
3: Um, I mean, yeah, I, I do wonder yeah. that, I mean, based upon the fact that he bought us largely off the back of seeing the activity and the fans uh, against Newcastle last season, maybe he's just imagining 80,000 people hurling sex toys at, at visiting Geordie's in, in years to come. You, you know, this guy's I know got big his, aspirations.
4: I don't know if that's his prime motivation. But no, I actually asked him the question. I wanted to establish what would be the kicker for the development of Mm. The North Stand, what would he want to see first in terms of whether it's on the pitch or in the stands in terms of uh, the amount of season tickets, uh, etc, etc. And I I think I explained before in a previous podcast that it it, it didn't seem to be linked to that. It was linked to more of development... Potential development linked into that. So whether it would be like I don't know, like a hotel group or something that we're talking about the North Stand being more than just a stand and offices for Villa, mm-hmm. it's incorporating some other, whether it's business or kind of recreational elements yeah. to you know essentially make money. Well, you look at how other clubs do it, and
3: the glaring fact is, unless you're going to Villa Park on a match day, you have no little or no reason to go to Villa Park, do you? That that's exactly. the point. Um, you know, we were laughing a few weeks ago about Tony doing his walk around outside um, Luton's ground before the Villa Cup game. Well, yeah. how many people are going for little walkies around Aston? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's right. just—it's just—it's just not the case, is it? Um, you no, need a I reason, mean, a safe and an enjoyable reason to to, to go there. And um, as you've mentioned uh, in a previous podcast, that that will invariably involve some sort of commercial leisure investment.
4: Yeah, I always thought they should have—they could make more of the history and and link up. Aston Hall a bit more. Because yep. before, you know, when I was a kid coming to Villa Park, I didn't even know about Aston Hall because I would come a different direction. And then once I walked past it and I was like, wow, this this is like, you know, it kind of adds to that historical feel of the club and why it's not really more integrated openly and connected. Because after all, uh, you know, the Holts who lived there, they were the ones that sold the ground for the club to uh, be developed on.
3: It's a bizarre thing that... Um, <laughs> Like a lot of things, we don't nearly celebrate our history and our connection to to the local area enough. And no. for so long, we've been such an insular football club that you know, even even a, um renovating a pub, a historic pub, was was it was a huge thing, and it should never have been allowed to fall into such decay. You know, yeah, and that, that's exactly. the point and things like Aston Hall I mean it's literally within a couple of hundred yards of the front of the, halt, the steps of the halt yeah like you say you know maybe maybe three quarters of the ground would, would be oblivious to it
4: yeah no it's uh, there's definitely some just small time insular thinking being going on at that club for you know more than a decade or two absolutely but uh, it was quite funny because I, I mentioned there was plans for uh, a 50,000 capacity stadium and then he said oh uh, maybe uh, 60 maybe 80 Without you know breaking uh, stride, but You're a so lot small-minded.
3: That's your trouble. <laughs> yeah, just
4: fifty. And, you know, moment, just fifty. Just limited. Eighty. Eighty. Hundred. <laughs> we'll buy Aston Hall and we'll turn it into part of the stand. <laughs> so it will turn full circle. Villa Park will own Aston Hall.
3: Villa by candlelight. That's one of their. That's one of their things, isn't it? Rule nothing out. Rule nothing out. Sorry. Anything else? Yeah. The other, the other strange thing that jumped out was was the company that recruits stewards for Villa Park and they're the adverts on Facebook that there was no experience necessary which yeah, sort of that not only does it make you go what? but also it's sort of some of the issues that were experienced last season makes you go ah I can see why that came about now.
4: That was something i been meaning to write about for a long time and i you know i've got uh, screen grabs of the facebook of this company and just you just didn't get around to it so it was i i brought it up in uh, i've brought it up a couple of times in meetings and uh, i brought it up this time and essentially said look uh, they're advertising for no experience and all the issues and problems we had uh, last season Mm -hmm. and seasons before that and you're telling me that you don't need a a certain, you know, security certificates, and you don't need previous training to steward a football game where it's not like stewarding a, a rock concert or a car show or or whatever because there's this emotional element there. There's this tribal element where people's emotions get the better of themselves and, you know, things can happen which potentially somebody who's not experienced, who's just there to earn, a, you know, earn the cash, don't really know what they're getting themselves into. And, and you know, basically I, I proposed, I said, look, there should be minimum some kind of Aston Villa training where if you come in and the uh, the external security steward company are happy, you know, that you're fit for this job, that when you turn up at Villa Park, Aston Villa walk you through some of the key issues that you may encounter. So at least there is some kind of, uh, let's say, football crowd training implemented and maybe uh, Aston Villa can Give something to this uh, Spears Worldwide Agency to actually incorporate into um, their training of the no experienced staff. Because it is bizarre and it's just opening up potential problems as as we've seen from stewards rugby tackling kids with learner out A3 sheets and, uh, you know, ridiculous things like that. Stealing, trying to steal banners off.
1: Here's a cool fact. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
4: Fans as well. Because, I mean, some stewards are like diehard fans and they've done their job for years. Yeah. And they get get thrown in the same uh, bracket as the people that just come in for the first time. And, you know, it's not necessarily their fault because they don't know what they're letting themselves in for. I mean, it was quite funny watching uh, all these stewards at at the Newcastle game because they... Yeah, they, they didn't prov- have a clue, did they? No? They provided, was it 350? There was over 350 external uh, uh, stewards. And watching them just <laughs> staring at a ground of inflatable cocks and bananas and uh, well, dolphins of, and <laughs> wondering what the spe- hell they're going to do.
3: <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. Most of them, I remember that they formed like a uh, a ring of steel around the front of the whole End where... The that they they allocated uh, a number of them to, to to scoop up the inflatable penises, cock and balls, and various other sex inflatables, and you just think they don't get it. They don't get it, and it links into that that plonker crew was you know all the bed sheets being wrestled off people, and it makes us look small time. And for the sake of investing a bit of time and money in people, ultimately it makes people safer. You know that that's that's actually their purpose for being there. Let's not forget. But actually, yeah. they'll be able to exercise some common sense when they're in the, in the ground. I mean, we're lucky where we sit. We have a guy who who's been the steward there for as long as you know since I've been going as a young kid with with my dad. But you can see it creeping in all around the ground where people who are people actually have no understanding of the club either, and that that's a huge part of it.
4: Yeah. I don't think they were in, it didn't look, it looked like the inflatables were completely a, a big surprise. So it didn't look like there was a, bit, a briefing of what might happen because it was, you know, it's pretty much advertised the whole week. You're going to be pelted with, <laughs> yeah. and Summers' interior
3: is going to be thrown although, although,
4: Although, to be fair, I think, I mean, it was, it was a very enjoyable game because I think there was more inflatable <laughs> carnage <laughs> than I think most fans imagined there would be. <laughs> and uh, once the load was shot after like you know, let's say the first <laughs> 10 minutes the fact that people had kept some in reserve or and it was organised that way as well for the uh, 74th minute was, was hilarious because we had <laughs> stamina because <That's laughs> yeah, the stewards I think oh, okay are yeah, very funny yeah yeah that's all good Let, right, clear them out let's get out you know get them off the pitch and then you know there's a couple of waves at least to come we should do more than that and I, I know it's not going to be popular to say this but I encourage more inflatable like two or three times during each game
3: Yes, long long waves and
4: uh... if you want to know why Newcastle didn't win that game it's because of inflatable power just putting them off breaking up their rhythm so the fans fans got the point there for Villa it was a sensational performance in my book it was let's just quickly talk about Villa's start to the season thus far Mm -hmm. I mean I've mentioned before we've had a great say the last three good seasons where we've come second twice in the top tier and uh, when we got promoted from this wretched league that we find ourselves in now <laughs> we started off uh without winning in the first four games i think we've actually got more points now uh despite our current predicament, uh, than we did in, in successful seasons. So what I'm saying is it's uh, obviously a marathon rather than a sprint. But uh, based on the first 45 minutes, we would have been 1-3 uh, drawn to lost, none. So uh, I think uh, one of the listeners, Neil Williams, posed on Facebook was, what do you put this failure to keep leads down to? And I think what we can link into this is, has there been any uh, transfers coming in since we last played, that uh, are pretty much going to solve this specific problem. What do you think? Time, time will tell. Oh, we- come on, let's be more positive than that.
3: I think we, <laughs> I think we've, we, I'd be concerned. I'd be concerned if we hadn't acted as we had done in the transfer window. Uh, you know, we've spoken, spoken in the previous episodes how we, there are obvious areas where we were short. What I do think has been impressive. We've gone about our business. We've seen where the deficiencies are, and we seem to have gone out and got the best that we can that's available money's clearly i'm not gonna say it's been no object but it clearly hasn't been a barrier to us getting who we want to get
4: but i mean specifically to the problem i'm, I'm mm. thinking more of there's a bit more solidity in the midfield uh, for example jedinak and uh tishbola when he's uh, fighting fit to actually uh, give us a bit of resistance and durability in the second half and uh, also uh, we've got a bit more pace now up top to Become more of a counter-attacking threat. So when we're when we're under the cosh like we have been in the second half of a few games, now uh, teams will be a bit more wary.
3: Yeah, I think it, we've we previously spoke about not having that plan B. Well, that's that's broadly been because we haven't had any new personnel to to swap or to make light for light changes. I think the the difference that hopefully we'll see um, at the weekend at, at Forest and then the, the subsequent game at Brentford is that we've got the ability to roll on, roll off new fresh quality footballers you know
4: um uh, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't say quality with a capital Q but one one thing we do have now and I'm not really judging it as top quality players but we do have two players in every position yeah um we we definitely like, needed that so there's there's a bit more depth now I still think in January we'll get a few more faces in just to give us a bit more quality in in that uh in that depth because we're still you know African nations, and if there's a couple of injuries here and there around that time, then you know we may be stretched a little bit, yeah, I think a couple of
3: signings will, will be quite important in january a couple of nations being the obvious one, but what we what you don't want to be doing is coming to a point in the season where you want to be you know kind of like the man united syndrome isn't it really where you build momentum after Christmas, and no one can deal with you that's what you want you don't want that to break down because you yeah, you, know, you lose a key player, and you don't have anyone remotely good enough to substitute them. You know,
4: um, but uh, t- talking about building momentum, uh, mm. let, let's, let's 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 jump on to the the next games. I mean, we're, in a way, we're kind of blessed that we have actually two home games in a short period of time. Yeah, so we're not having to travel anywhere with any away you know away trip. So the team mm-hmm. essentially, when it gets any of those players that come back from international duty, they are in. The kind of the villa hub over the next week and so they can focus now now's the time for back-to-back wins if you ask me now's yeah. the time to get this party started because six points and that will get us up and running for real and then we can look forward and just you know the the start is as we've, as we've mentioned before just a, an extension of pre-season really Yep, it's simple really. I think we desperately need to use
3: this as a bit of a springboard. I don't think it's make or break yet, but off the back of the defeat at Bristol... In Bristol, we we really this is a great opportunity to seize. I think it was kind of Nottingham Forest to sign Nicholas Bentner just for our, uh, you know, just for the upcoming game.
4: <laughs> yeah, he's he's not going to be ready though, uh, just yet, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh well. Also, they got rid of uh, Oliver Burke, uh, they their did, winger, did. Yeah. to uh, Leipzig for thirteen million, which is currently the uh, it's pipped Ross McCormack as the uh, leading championship. Transfer unless Jonathan Kodja, uh, J.K. gets us promoted, and then he becomes the uh, number one championship buy at fifteen million, and he would have gone up thirteen million in value within the space of a season. Serious money, serious money.
3: I do think it's it's a great chance this this Saturday too. New new signings, new faces, big home crowd, proper game of football. This is a proper fixture as well. It's a, you know, yeah. one I I do like this fixture. Two European championships. I mean, it's a great shame we're both in the championship, but th- these are two two
4: great names. Forest, uh, I don't think. Uh, I mean, they've they've had a couple of decent wins this season, mm-hmm. but but because they've lost uh, Burke and obviously Bentner isn't going to get a start just yet. Uh, they're there for the taking, and Brentford, uh, although they're pretty nifty at home at the moment, uh, haven't haven't had a point away from home in their two games, and they, they actually got beat away to Rotherham as well. And you know, you saw that how easily we kind of dispatched them.
3: Yeah, well, we've we've got to find our ruthless streak, haven't we? And this yeah. this may come from having you know, an, a, yeah, this is a newly assembled team. It, it may start to come together in the next next days and weeks, really. Um, if there is, if there is a bit of a concern off the back of the international break, that that you know, Grealish was obviously nursing a knock, and um, I couldn't quite believe, um, I know Jedinak's carrying an injury, but I couldn't believe the the flight times that he would
4: have had to have done,
3: and playing in in the heat that he's been playing in. So there are, there are little things to factor in that maybe yeah, other sides won't have to,
4: and the African uh, nations players as well. I mean, but no, there's a there's a big difference between uh, European international players and the two-hour flight or the Eurostar compared to uh, people are flying to uh, either Australia, Asia or Africa or America for that sake.
3: Well, Yedinak's been out to Australia, back out to the UAE, and I think it was was between 35 and 40 degrees when he was playing and that's before he's negotiated a a flight back.
4: That's him out for the rest of the season.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the Brett Holman syndrome Um, strikes...
4: God, I wish they would look at the international fixture list before they bought these players. <laughs> no. It's no, called for f- forward planning. Forward planning, God damn it. So we look forward to <laughs> Yeren
3: his international retirement, please. <laughs> please. Maybe we should get a petition going for
4: that. <laughs> By the beard of Zeus. By the beard of Zeus, you are retired. So, six points never never make predictions on a podcast because they become easily sampled by the opposition podcasts <laughs> the question is when if we're not going
3: to start winning now when are we going to start winning
4: you know we, we need yeah. to we need
3: to start building some momentum and I can't remember the last time we won two games back to back to be honest but no time like the present
4: if uh, Villa don't beat Nottingham Forest or Brentford if somebody out there one of the listeners could just tweet Dr Tony that very same question when are we going to start winning Thanks. That would be much appreciated.
2: Tony meets Villa fans on Twitter. Tony is a selfish man ruining another man's career to benefit himself. Shame on you, Tony. Free Joe Bennett. If a man's career is built by destroying the club's worth, yes, I'll be very selfish to stand on the club's side. Samuelson has left Recon and Villa. Didn't Dumb Dumber D'Arcy own the club? No more rumours. Chris and the sock fin helped the takeover. We paid for service. Never was related to Recon. Tony, this idiot you're replying to has been against you from day one. I've just blocked him again. Wasting my time. If he has one more rumour, we'll have legal department go for him. Tony, we need this number 9 you raved about last week. Where is he? I didn't say we had done. I said it would be the most difficult one and I've been working hard on it. Tony, what's going to happen with the African Cup of Nations? We're going to lose our main forwards. We've got a plan for this. We'll get several loans and halves in Zinjan. Don't worry about it. Unless a player comes in who excites as much as Traore did, then I'll have to return my season tickets. Tom, I think you bought tickets to watch a team with f- spirit fighting, not to watch someone call Talents on Bench. Tony, how do you have time to run Villa and Recon? After the game and transfer deals done, I'll have to go back to China and to do US Asia to run all the Recon business. Oh.
4: We'll round it up with the five reasons to be cheerful as the Villa fans, because we always like to leave the show in a positive glow of optimism. Number one, I'm going to say, well, the international break is over. And hopefully, in a couple of days at least, I won't have to read any more articles. Well, I don't read them, but uh, nobody will have to read any articles on Big Sam and uh, the New English Revolution. (laughs) I do I, I I do like the uh, the fact that the FA have now backed down from their claim that they're going to win the world cup in is it 2022 or whenever uh, Qatar is <laughs> that was never going to happen anyway, so uh <laughs> no need to back down relax relax there's no there's no risk there's no risk with did you bother watching england i mean i gave up that uh Qualifiers and friendlies—I I can't do it anymore. It's just a kind of a waste of ninety minutes. No disrespect to anybody who travels to see them, because that's a different story. But to watch them on TV—well, I feel no—I've—I I, tolerated as much as
3: I could of it. I feel sorry for people who do follow England. I—I I know why they do. I get why they do. But we've become such an insipid team to watch, and um, we're so predictable, aren't they? And and it was yeah. It was left so late, and it was for
4: yeah. It's just that thing where these players have—I don't know—but used to be. I mean, it's, it's, it's changed dramatically. This yeah. kind of it was yeah. used to be a real big honour, and the whole the idea of getting a cap, England cap, was kind of heralded yeah. as, as kind of a big thing. And even as a kid, as a supporter, you were like, you know, you're kind of excited just to see a picture of these little caps with the little tassels on the top. But yeah. now it's just—it's yeah. just a platform for getting better endorsement deals and raising your profile and you know you've seen it when villa players break into the english setup and their heads turned and they're disappearing because they're hearing about what you know their teammates are getting paid and you know off they disappear to city liverpool or you know united
3: a bit of a problem with watching england it? and it did occur to me during the during the break that Scary similarities to watching Villa in in especially in the last couple of seasons that you couldn't actually you can't root for many of the players because you don't you don't have any connection to them you know that they're they're, yeah. they're in different worlds to us now and actually do do they care really not at all and I'm not saying that even we have this romantic revisionist view I think of England teams of old all all being you know men and <laughs> lifting lifting and world I- cups high and but you know, wanting to turn out for their country and our country and really give it to I mean,
4: some... Yeah, it's it's like, if you look at, like, name, like, the star players now of England, I mean, if you, you don't have to go that far back to see, like, Paul Gascoigne, mm-hmm. who cried because he knew he was going to miss a game, who fans could identify themselves with him, even though he was, like, the star player. And, you know, now his skills compared to anybody in the, uh, the team at the moment... Uh, poles apart. I mean, it makes me laugh uh, when I think of comparing Cowan's with Westwood. It's... Chalk and cheese. It, it's like uh, comparing Fendi or Gucci to Primark. It's polar opposites. The only players that get away with it are probably, uh, in terms of comparing different generations, are your Messi's and your Ronaldo's. But there's a reason why those two were marketed to, you know, high heaven is because there's, you know, there's not that many uh, no. great, great players around. They're all charlatans. Charlatans, right? Let's let's move on. Uh, number two, anything? Two Villa home games in a week.
3: One of which will be under the lights at Villa Park. Brilliant. The, what, is, Huttas- what is
4: this? What is this big romanticism with under the lights? I mean, if I they didn't have the lights, is- they didn't have the lights on. It'd be dark. Oh, it's atmosphere. No, it, it used, <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what happened. It used to be European nights. Yeah. Yeah. It was midweek European nights and you didn't even have to go to the game. You could listen to it on the radio and there was still that kind of palpable atmosphere. Yeah. But going to the actual game, it's it's another thing. And then Villa didn't get into Europe anymore and it got downgraded to Under the Lights. And it's like, eh, where did that come from? That just came out of nowhere. It did. It's just the marketing department. I mean, I'm being very cynical here, but Under the Lights... You say those words to me and I'm thinking European football, not some championship game against Brentford. No yeah. disrespect. Listen, you're
3: right. I think it's it's what we've got. I mean, we were just discussing. <laughs> it's what we've got. You know, it is it is Rotterdam to, to Rotherham, isn't it, in its truest sense. I think...
4: OK, I mean, maybe
3: I'm being harsh and I should really work with what we've got. Listen, if you can't get excited about Brentford coming to town on a Tuesday night with Dean Smith, former Warsaw manager. Oh, my God. God, what's wrong with you, man? You've lost your, you've lost your fire within. You've lost your inner villa spirit. You should close your blog and just fuck off, fire, <laughs> <laughs> or manage England. One or the other.
4: Yeah, Brentford. Speaking of Brentford, they have actually they've been selling players. They sold their cap, captain um, Jake Bidwell into his left left back. Yep. And, you know, he was a young guy as well and the keeper as well. So, I mean, they're they're one of the the pioneers of the whole money ball uh, system, but it seems uh, that the bubble has kind of Burst.
3: Yeah, they've they've flirted a couple of times for promotion, haven't they? And then they've, there's been a couple of strange managerial changes, and the owners a bit. You know, maybe it is the moneyball system. Maybe they take the view that actually they're quite happy where they are, and if they get promoted, they get promoted, but don't get relegated. I imagine is the is the. Because they got
4: rid of those those two players, who you know, two of their better players, uh, almost without any sentiment. It was almost like, well, they've only got a season left on their contract. Out you go. We've just checked the stats, and we've got some replacements already lined up, cheaper.
3: Well, it's interesting they 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 picked Dean Smith from Warsaw because that's essentially yeah, with respect to Warsaw that they, they operate on a similar scale that Warsaw develop players sell them yeah try and, and try and keep in league one you know i've had and, and had a couple of opportunities to get promoted. Brentford are essentially doing that on a slightly grander scale in in the championship, aren't they
4: sure, right, let's move on to reason number three. Well, in view of the minutes, finally, uh, the minutes to the fan consultation group meeting, I would say uh, third reason to be cheerful is it's now been a few months and the uh, kind of investment of the club, in, not financially, I hasten to add, into the uh, consultation with supporters mm-hmm. has... Has been a decent dialogue and uh, you know very positive so far in terms of there's no not been really any taboo the, uh, in terms of what you can talk about and what you can't and it's very open eared conversation in terms of how to improve this club but the, I mean the shocking thing is as we've discussed many times is how it's slipped into uh, such a such a sorry state and mm-hmm. I think the key word from you know meeting uh, Dr Tony was m- modernisation was something uh, I mean even Tom said it that we were about five years behind and you know I I agree with that in terms of uh, what some Premier League clubs are doing at the moment and you know Dr Tony's realised that and I think he's got some easy wins because he's going to make some sound common sense decisions which will put the club on good footing but it's good to see that the supporters are being integrated into that process of uh, thinking about how Aston Villa can be a better club have a better integration into its surroundings and uh, also, just get some ambition back in the club as well. I mean, absolutely. When when I see people even talking about, well, you know, mid table will be good this season to establish ourselves, and then you know we'll go for promotion next season. It's like you know, get out of here. <laughs>
3: Well, for the first time, we can actually. We've got a. I mean, I know, I know, Tony's a bit out there sometimes, but at least he's single-minded in wanting to to be the best at something. And he, he's made his he's made his own money. I always wondered the thing with Lerner was he inherited his wealth, so yeah, did he it ever is, have the drive?
4: It is a big. Him? It is a. It is a big difference. Mm. You know, psychologically, uh, there is this kind of you have this feeling of entitlement. And that doesn't really equate to proper graft because you've never had to mm-hmm. really graft to survive.
3: Well, Tony's inherited an absolute mess in some areas. I mean, you're just talking about some things there that they weren't just operated in an outdated manner. They were operated in a really parochial... I remember Tom Fox describing some of the things at the Trust AGM as, as like a corner shop. Well, yeah. you know, there's, there's still question marks as to why, you know even in his time there, he didn't deal with it. But they extend into our past into years and years of us just ticking over and trading off
4: yeah i mean doug ellis has a lot of you know responsibility uh, mm-hmm. for that as well but it, you know Lerner, he became an owner because he he just wanted to own a club or yeah He's me, interested. he didn't want to run and no. make something of this club and make it the best and bring it up he was just hoping it would happen it was all about,
3: you know, his bizarre statements, and he was interested in, you know, the mural on the front of the Holt End. is a It's a fantastic thing to look at and to admire and to say, isn't that, you know, it's a, it's impressive, but it doesn't improve us as a football club. You know, our purpose for being is to win football matches, and it didn't improve that. Improve the look of the Holt End.
4: Yeah, didn't know how to run a club to be successful. There was no ideas. There was no direct connection which is you know obviously the the good thing about uh dr tony is he has been present but not in just uh just to be seen he's here to sort it out and there's a big difference to be just watching a game and uh you know keeping fans happy just turning up to watch games because to a lot of fans that's enough but he's not here just to uh be a bit of decoration for villa park he's here to actually you know get down to business so what are we on for? give me something Codger goal for uh, the Ivory Coast was pretty good. Oh yeah, it's, that was that's already it's it's either that or the F strike against Luxembourg for goal of the season. I think. Well, who, could you imagine such a thing just a week ago having occurred? So that that was a positive sign. It- I was just happy
3: he didn't break a leg, come back with an injury. You know, it wasn't, wasn't Salifu shot at when he was with Togo. You know, all this yes. sort of
4: none of that happened. He just he's coming home. He's going to play for us. Yeah, no. It, I mean, it happened to Amavi. He went off on international duty, and that's where he picked up his injury as well. You got that horrendous knee injury, didn't he? So yeah. So I mean, uh, just call very quickly, Forest Villa Park Sunday. Who are you most looking forward to seeing of the new signings since you last vent to Villa Park? Oh, difficult question.
3: I'm looking to see, looking forward to seeing Yedinak on home on home soil.
4: Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going for the Codge, man. I want to see J.K. He, he should score. If you want to bet on anything this weekend, he's going to score. If, if he's still awake after he's got back from his flight from... Uh, was it a home game in the Ivory Coast? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. We need one more, number five. Reason to be cheerful. Not necessarily one from the fans' point of view, but uh, I think de Matteo is pretty cheerful at the moment because he's got pretty much give or take his preferences and his lists of strikers, uh, you know, midfielders, etc. I think he's got. Uh, if you asked him, uh, if you give him the list of players he's got now as soon as he took the job as those were the ones he was going to get in. I think he'd be pretty happy with that. And uh, he's probably a, a little bit happy that also uh, Tony's off in China to give him a bit of respite because uh, you know how it is when you have a job and uh, the boss is out for the afternoon. It's it's a it's a more relaxing afternoon as a worker. So, yeah, with,
3: uh, Tony, with Tony, you never know when he's going to arrive, do you? It's, it, 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 <laughs> at, at, a, at a moment's notice, the, the Tony chopper will you know, land in well, the I middle mean, of Villa Park.
4: You're actually onto something there because that uh, fan consultancy group meeting, he wasn't billed to be at that. He he came in 10 minutes uh, into the actual meeting. We, we, we suspected he would be there because obviously he was at Villa Park. I imagine Sony uh,
3: will, will appear spor- sporadically in, uh, I don't know, um, Brian Clough-style training gear on the pitch at Bodymore. you know, G and the guys on and he'll be running out with the players... He wants to. He wants full investment in this, and uh, I think if the notion of him being back in charge, he'll be like a a kid at Christmas. He won't get nothing done at work. He'll be
4: constantly on the app. Uh, One thing I, I I've liked about him is he's, and we know they looked at his group looked at other clubs in in the lead up. You know, let's say a year lead up to buying Villa, and he has a very good study because he knows the players, and he's yeah read about the history and like the historical players and he's really invested himself into it in terms of learning and making the efforts uh, so he's knowledgeable about it.
3: I mean do you do you believe the claim that he said he was a fan before he bought the club?
4: No, I don't, I don't, I don't I never believe any of that rubbish. No. You don't think it's, that. It's up there with when a player signs and they say oh uh, you know historical club uh, blah blah blah. Oh yeah, I've always wanted to play for a big. It's a big club. It's historical. Blah blah. It's, I mean, why does every player say this? Because. Spiel. Uh, but no, I mean, what's he going to say? Uh, I have no interest in Aston Villa, so that's why I bought it. But he's he's as I said, he's a quick study, and uh, everybody believes he's a big fan now. Bigger fan than you, Dan. <laughs> uh. <laughs> he's he's been going to Villa Park for forty years. He saw them when they were in the old Division Three. <laughs> that's that's what he's been telling people that's what he was saying at this meeting it was in my dreams but i was there so that brings us to the end of this episode uh don't forget if you're listening on itunes give it a review preferably five stars where you can uh, just give it five stars then you can review it in any which way you want it just helps boost its profile and get it out there to more villains so they're not missing out uh also you know give the soundcloud a like and also subscribe there and uh, also on all the various other different formats. Uh, because if you subscribe, you get a notification straight away when a new one pops up. So until the next episode, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye.
0: My old man said, Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's.